Hi, this is John Arhand, and welcome to the second episode of LaserCast, the program focused on everything Laserdisc. Today, we're going to focus on Star Wars on Laserdisc. And in recent years, Star Wars has, has kind of had a, a resurgence on Laserdisc. Well, it's, it's had a resurgence in general with the the Disney takeover of Lucasfilm and, and all of that stuff. It's uh, basically Disney has turned every December of every year into Star Wars month. <laughs> and uh, according to Disney, it will be uh, Disney, uh, Disney Decembers will be Star Wars months for many years to come, starting with the, the Force Awakens back in 2015. And starting with the Force Awakens, there was this reawakening and a resurgence of Star Wars Laserdiscs. For many years, Star Wars Laserdiscs were a way for the fans to get a high-quality version of the original versions of the the Star Wars films the, the 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 versions before George Lucas started kind of monkeying with the the Star Wars films with the special editions in 1997 the, the the true fans were like we want the we want the original versions well they weren't quite the original versions because Star Wars ever since it's been on home video there's been little tweaks there's been little changes and tweaks to the film primarily in the soundtrack uh, but uh, in in 2015, in late 2015, when when The Force Awakens was being readied, and and uh, young kids, millennials, kids who were probably not even alive, some of them, when Star Wars uh, was last released on Laserdisc, there were these articles that began to be published. Oh my, the best version! Because of course, The Force Awakens is the the continuation of Episodes four, five, and six. Is the continuation of A New Hope and Empire and Jedi. So it's kind of like, well, what's the best? version of these to see. Many of these articles pointed these young millennial fans toward the Star Wars Laserdiscs, and I, I saw it happen. I saw in Half Price Books and on eBay that the, the prices of these uh, st- these older even the even the, like the really early Star Wars laziness the the prices began to to rise and and double and and people were just my god Star Wars you know, people were were losing their head buying these pan and scan <laughs> copies of of a new hope you know and 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 going mad trying to 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 watch these things so uh, <laughs> But it, it's kind of calmed down, you know. Everyone's every every you know couple years or so, somebody gets into their head that Laserdisc is going to be the next big retro resurgence, and there's you know some people go crazy and they. But Laserdisc just and then and then just kind of disappears, and then you can all the the real Laserdisc fans and collectors and the people who actually watch these movies can can kind of. Uh, go back to business as usual, and uh, the prices settle back down, and the prices have settled back down on all of the the Star Wars releases, essentially, as far as I can tell. So, what I'd like to do is is kind of give a little overview of the whole Star Wars on lasers. It's it's a it's a limited overview. Again, we're gonna we're gonna focus on episodes four, five, and six. 
We're going to focus on the, the, the first films. We're not going to include the, the Ewoks TV movies or any of the, the droids, television, the, the, the cartoons or any of the, 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 uh, the other stuff. We're just focusing on the first three films because the first three films are kind of, they're, they're kind of lockstep. They're kind of, uh, follow the early days and the resurgence of home video itself, you know, from the, the late 70s into the 80s and the, and the 90s. And, you know, I've always felt that really you could draw some comparisons, you could draw some parallels between Star Wars and home video in general, that both of them started off as kind of the, the plucky outsiders. Nobody knew if they were going to be a big success, you know. And then Star Wars is released... And immediately everybody knows it's a big hit and it changes the way movies are made. It changes science fiction film, definitely. And in, in the case of home video, it took a little, little longer for home video to, to hit. It took a few years and it took the, the, the prices of the, of the, uh, the hardware and the, the software, the players and the VHS tapes to kind of come down before they could be within the reach of the average consumer. But once they were in the reach of the average consumer, oh my God, once the average consumer, the average guy could tape a television show or could go rent a movie, it changed the way that movies were seen. It changed the way the television was watched. So the emergence of Star Wars and the emergence of home video, both revolutionary groundbreaking events in our modern culture. So let's start at the beginning. Let's turn back time. Let's turn back the clock. Let's wind the clock back to 1977, to May 25th, 1977, the theatrical release date of Star Wars A New Hope. As I said, it was just, it was a smash hit. It was a success. And around that same time in 1976, 1977, both Betamax and VHS were, were coming out in Japan and in the U.S. They were starting to come out. People were starting to catch on to this new home video format. But the first home versions, I call them versions of Star Wars, it's not the full versions, but the first way that you could watch Star Wars at home, any of it really, apart from maybe television commercials or so forth, the first version that you could watch, you could sit down and watch any of it, were the Super 8 Digest versions. Super 8 was primarily a home movie format. You'd take these little cameras and you'd have these little cartridges of Super 8 film and you'd take little, a few minutes of your friends and family. But they also sold movies on Super 8. And mostly these were not full-length feature films. These were called digests. They were just cut-up scenes of movies. You'd, they'd be like, uh, you know, eight minute, ten minute little, you know, syn synopses, little, little kind of, uh, analog YouTube clip videos of a, a feature film, you know, uh, and, and they would come in different versions. You'd have like a, a black and white 
silent version that was really short, you know, and then you'd have a little more expensive version that was maybe color and maybe had also a little soundtrack along with it too. But I mean, these were still, I mean, whether, whether it was, you know, it's the shorter one, the longer one, it was still kind of like maximum of like, you know, 15, 16 minutes, just as selected scenes of Star Wars. I think with, in the case of Star Wars, it was the, some early scenes with Luke Skywalker and then some of the, some of the later scenes, you know, you know, Luke learns, uh, how to be a, a Jedi and then he goes and saves the day all in like, you know, 10 or 15 minutes. They're just kind of curios and they, they have some nostalgic value for the people who are living back in that era who are little kids who, you know, you couldn't buy a, a VHS or a DVD or a Blu-ray of of one of your favorite movies but you could go and 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 you know go to the corner store or send off in a in a mail or a catalog and get like a actual piece of the movie you know and for movie kids kids who are obsessed with uh sci-fi horror fantasy films stuff like stuff like star wars you know Super 8 projectors were really light and they were portable and, and, uh, they were relatively cheap. And so a, a kid could, could have his own Super 8 projector and, and, uh, take it into his bedroom and project a little bit of Star Wars on, on his bedroom wall. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's something that, uh, <laughs> I, it is lost to time really in this modern era where, where people can stream full length digital movies from, from YouTube and Vimeo and, and everything. But that's, that, that was the state of the art in 1977. That was the first glimpse of Star Wars that you could get at home. And so, uh, the next glimpse of Star Wars that you could get at home was not the movies, but the making of, some, some, uh, some featurettes, some short making of documentaries, which were released. They were released on VHS, but they were released on Laserdisc. This is the first Star Wars Laserdisc releases back in 1981. It was, uh, two little documentaries on the making of Star Wars and the making of Empire. The making of Star Wars, and that was the, 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 the title of the Star Wars documentary. The title of the Empire Strikes Back documentary was SPFX. The Empire Strikes Back. Star Wars, A New Hope, Empire, and Jedi, I mean, the marketing of those films could fill, you know, volumes. But they each, the, all, all three films had three really unique, interesting documentaries that were kind of promotional items. They were shown on television and, and, and elsewhere when the movies were originally out. The making of uh, Star Wars was the first one. It's narrated by C-3PO and R2-D2, and it's kind of like a very light, very, you know, schmaltzy, light look uh, at the making of Star Wars. It's not in-depth. It's not serious. It's just, uh, you know, these these droid characters narrating some behind-the-scenes footage and interviews uh, from the making of Star Wars. And it's But it's interesting because it's kind of a time capsule. Because it's very kind of retro in 70s, and there's disco music, and there's arcades, and, and Carrie Fisher, and Mark Hamill looks so young and innocent, and everybody's so young and innocent, and nobody has 
any idea of the cultural impact. You know, they're just making this little light, bouncy sci-fi movie, and nobody seems to understand that, that this is going to be like an incredible like shift in in culture. You know, the, this this whole Star Wars film. So it was it's it's a glimpse at, at you know at 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 the actors and the director and and pretty much everybody before before Star Wars was a hit and everybody started taking themselves so seriously. SBFX is kind of like, it's a documentary on the special effects model work in Empire Strikes Back. And then there was a third documentary that they made around Jedi. It was about the, um, it was focused on the creatures in, in Jedi. But in, in 1981, we just had, of course, we just had the making of Star Wars and the, Empire Strikes Back documentary released on Laserdisc, uh, pressed by DiscoVision, our friends at DiscoVision, because at that point, DiscoVision was one of the only places in town where you could get your Laserdiscs made. Remember, they had the Carson, California plant, you know, and uh, they were, they were, uh, if you wanted an optical disc, if you wanted a Laserdisc, you pretty much had to go through <laughs> DiscoVision. Pressed by DiscoVision, but released by MVC, Magnetic Video Corporation, Andre Blay. Magnetic Video, it, it, that's kind of a whole big side story, but Andre Blay and Magnetic Video, that's kind of the beginnings of pre-recorded movies on tape. This guy, Andre Blay, was uh, kind of a, a, a pioneer, and he got 20th Century Fox to basically license him uh, these old movies to release on VHS. And they were such a success that 20th Century Fox was like, hey, we want to make some money. And they eventually, they bought out Magnetic Video Corporation and started releasing all of their movies through MVC. But uh, they released, again, this documentaries, these documentaries on Star Wars, and that was the the Star Wars maiden voyage uh, on the Laserdisc format, even though, again, they're just little clips, they're documentaries, they're, they're kind of uh, puff pieces on, uh, on Star Wars. But you've got to begin somewhere. Okay, so we've got the preliminaries done. We've talked about the digest cut-down version on Super 8. We've talked about the documentaries that were released on Laserdisc. Let's talk about the full versions of 4, 5, and 6, the various different releases of uh, those films on Laserdisc. And there's kind of different eras of those releases you know, and they're kind of they kind of match the 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 different eras of home video. I mean, there's a, there's the early stuff with the kind of the ropey video transfers, the very early video transfers in the early '80s, and then we kind of go into 
the mid-80s and late-80s with the remastered releases and the, the early 90s. And then there's another era in about 1993-95, which many Star Wars home video enthusiasts kind of hold up as kind of like the, the golden era of releases, the definitive collection releases, the faces editions of, of Star Wars, the THX certified remastered versions of Star Wars, which some people have problems with, but other people see those as the, the best versions of Star Wars available on home video. Some people are still, they still clutch that uh, that definitive collection laserdisc, and I think with with good reason, because it was it actually was yeah an incredible release. And uh, then we we launch into kind of the 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 last the last part of our story of of Star Wars on laserdisc, the the nineteen ninety seven era, the the special edition era, the special edition box set, and then we kind of end with with the last. Star Wars film to be released on Laserdisc, The Phantom Menace, in 2001. Not even a U.S. release, a Japanese-only release of The Phantom Menace, kind of at the very end of the format, the very, very, very end of the format. So the first release of Star Wars A New Hope on Laserdisc, 1982 on 20th Century Fox Home Video, or 20th Century Fox Video, it was re-released a year later in 1983, which is basically the label changed. It would, it would change to, to CBS Fox video. So it was you know, mainly more of a, a packaging labeling company thing. I- initial Laserdisc, two-sided, one disc, CLV, full screen, you know, full screen, pan and scan, you know. That's all the early Laserdiscs were, were pan and scan, really. There was no such thing as letterboxing back in the day. And time compressed, time compressed, sped up to fit on one disc because Star Wars is 121 minutes. So it's a little over two hours. And remember, we're with CLV, we're kind of stuck essentially, essentially, with some exceptions, with some weird exceptions, we're basically stuck with 60 minutes aside, essentially, in most cases. And it was really not unusual to uh, time compress a movie. That's one of the dirty secrets of, of early home video, early Laserdisc, and early VHS. You know, there were companies that would just be, uh, they didn't want to pay to 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 package a disc, uh, uh, you know, to, to package more than one disc or to package more than one tape or the movie ran a little bit over two hours or ran a little bit over 90 minutes and they didn't want to have a, a longer blank uh, cassette. So time compression in the, in the early days of home video was rampant. And it was not like, time compression that we could do in the in the 2000s it was not clean digital time compression no this was like uh time compression where where people might look weird and things might be sped up and things might sound like like chipmunks people might sound like chipmunks so it was it was very kind of nasty very early time compression so one disc two-sided clv time compressed pan and scan with not even a digital soundtrack 
Okay, again, this is, I guess this is the early analog audio tracks to, to match the analog picture. So that was the first edition of, of Star Wars. That was the Star Wars full screen Laserdisc circa 1982 and the reissue from CBS Fox in 1983. The next edition of the Star Wars films we get is Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back CBS Fox video 1984 in a one disc full screen edition. Still full screen, but a little bit better quality, a little bit better video transfer and, and we've got stereo analog tracks, still analog. Still no, not digital sound yet, and still time compressed, because again, Empire is a little bit over two hours, so we gotta fit that on one disc, we gotta time compress that. So that's the 1984 Empire Strikes Back laser disc. In 1985, they started to release these reissues in CAV of Star Wars, A New Hope, and Empire. Of course, CAV, we've got more discs. We don't need the time compression. And they added digital soundtracks. They brought Ben Burt in, and then initially it was just kind of going to sweeten some things and, and change some things. They, they ended up doing an entire digital remix of the Star Wars soundtracks. And so this is a, a newer version, really just kind of things changed around. You know, as I said at the beginning, the, the, the sound mix to Star Wars has been kind of tweaked and changed over the, over the years. Bits of dialogue, bits of sound effects. Some versions of the soundtrack, uh, are wildly different than others. Some are very similar. The differences between the original stereo and the mono and the 70 millimeter uh, versions and then the home video versions. So there are, you know, maybe a half dozen, you know, even going into the, into the 1980s, there's like, you know, a half dozen kind of different variations on the, the Star Wars soundtrack. But this, these, these CAV editions were the, the emergence of digital sound. Of course, these are not analog. They have digital sound, CAV, a remixed digital surround sound version of the of the soundtracks of these films 1985 and and so and return of the jedi return of the, return of the jedi was not released in the US in CAV it was uh, released for the first time on laserdisc in 1986 it was released on home video laserdisc in 1986 with a, a digital soundtrack but still Full screen and uh, full screen, but with but with the nice PCM digital stereo soundtrack. So to to recap, we've kind of had the first couple of uh, eras or epochs. You've got the early releases in 1982 and 83 and 84. Then around 1985, you've got the CAV reissues, and now we bring in digital, digital sound. You know, the earlier had just analog sound. Now we bring in digital CD quality soundtracks. We're still full screen, 
You know, we're still full screen, uh, uh, you know, up until, you know, 1986, still full screen. We've got all of the, you if you can walk into a store and buy all three movies. You can buy episode four, five, and six. You can buy some, some of the editions are CLV, some of them are CAV. They've all got the wonderful, beautiful, original poster art, but you cannot buy a widescreen version of these films. You cannot see the films in the original scope format that you saw them at the theaters. You gotta watch it on a box. You gotta watch the side with the sides cut off. You can you can listen to the grandeur and splendor of a digital soundtrack, digital surround sound, all of that wonderful thing, but you got the sides cut off. Unless Unless you live in Japan. Japanese laser discs were seen by many laserdisc collectors in the early days of laserdisc collecting in the, the 80s and the 90s as a kind of holy grail. The Japanese would labor over these releases. These l- releases were so obviously labors of love by people who understood the movies and who were real lovers of movies and that the the attention that they would lavish on these laser discs was was really was really remarkable the the video quality of japanese laser discs the pressing quality the packaging of the laser discs the the emergence of actual special features like trailers, additional stuff, the inserts, Japanese, you know, the paper inserts in all of the laser discs, it was was in- incredible. I have a Japanese laser disc of Top Gun, and there is this multi-page insert which contains diagrams of the fighter jets in the movie. And it, they have diagrams of the of the the dogfights in Top Gun in the actual film. There was a there was a release of Dawn of the Dead that had this whole paper layout, this whole complete diagram of the mall. I mean, I mean, the, the attention was just was crazy, and they lavished the same attention on the Japanese releases of Star Wars. They released in, in late 1986 and throughout 1987, all three Star Wars films were released on Japanese Laserdisc in these editions as build the special collection versions. There were lots of special collection Laserdisc. In fact, the version of Top Gun that I have is, is under the special collection banner. But the special collection Japanese Laserdiscs of A New Hope, Empire, and Jedi are really uh, incredible releases. They were the first widescreen releases ever to be released of Star Wars on home video. The first widescreen releases. Now, the Japanese, again, they were renowned for releasing movies in widescreen. That was when, you know, movies in the U.S. just did not come out in widescreen, you know. And there were a few, there were a few films which were coming out in widescreen in the U.S. Woody Allen somehow contractually was able to get Manhattan out, out on, on widescreen. And there were a few little drips and drabs, a few people getting their, their movies out in the U.S. But 
Japanese releases, they were, they were widescreen. They were almost universally, uh, widescreen video transfers. And for the Japanese market, there was a utilitarian aspect of releasing a movie in the widescreen aspect ratio, especially a movie that's in scope in Panavision, like the Star Wars films. And that is this. Uh, in, in many Japanese laserdiscs, the widescreen letterbox bars, so uh, if a film is, is scope, if it's a very wide, wide, uh, wide, wide Panavision aspect ratio, there are black bars. In the U.S., there's usually black bars at the top and the bottom of the frame, and the image is, is centered. Japanese lasers, what they would do is they would shove the image at the very at the very top of the of the frame, and you would have a very large black bar, one large black bar at the bottom of the screen, and the Japanese disc producers would shove all of the Japanese subtitles, so the long Japanese kanji subtitles into that big black box at the bottom of the screen. So releasing a movie in in widescreen with the black box, the big black box at the bottom of the screen was something very good for the Japanese. It, it, it you know, this was before the era where subtitles could be generated uh, digitally, where you could have a subtitle track that you could turn on and off. The subtitles had to be printed. They had to be in, embedded into the actual video source. So if you have that big black box at the bottom of the screen of your widescreen film where you can shove your subtitles in, it makes sense. These 1986 and 1987 widescreen video transfers on these Japanese Laserdiscs are still renowned by collectors. There are some collectors that still find the, the color and the the clarity and the kind of filmic look of these video transfers far superior to any of the later reissues of Star Wars, and uh, it's it's really surprising that you know these nineteen eighty six eighty seven era vintage analog video transfers over the more modern versions. But I, I they have their they have their reasons, and th- there are some problems with some of the more modern laserdisc editions of Star Wars, which we're going to go into in a few moments. But let's let's right now before we 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 go forward, let's let's bow our head in awe of Japanese laserdiscs and the Star Wars special collection laserdiscs. All right, 
So again, to recap, we've got the, the early 80s initial full screen laser discs, Star Wars laser discs, editions of A New Hope and Empire and Jedi, then the, then some full screen CAV digital sound reissues. In 1986 and 87, we've got the incredible Japanese Laserdiscs, which most U.S. collectors never saw unless they, they were rich enough to import them into the U.S. 1989 saw the release of Star Wars in widescreen in the U.S. for the first time. And we know that it, we know it's widescreen because if, if they've got a big banner at the top of all of these lasers. It's a widescreen presentation. If you've seen a, a, a widescreen Star Wars laser disc from that era before, you know that banner very well. It's got the two, two little searchlights. Well, it's, it's four searchlights. It's kind of two search, cause it's searchlights and it's, and that means widescreen. And that means, that means finally seeing Star Wars closer to the way it was was really meant to be seen well kind of sort of so a new hope and an empire and jedi come out and there's some there's there's a, a weird there's a weird anomaly that happens with a new hope and it, it it's it's an it's an anomaly which causes the the initial pressing, the original 1989 widescreen pressing of A New Hope to be called the Incredible Shrinking Ratio Edition. And it's called that because throughout the film, the black bars, uh, the black letterbox bars at the top and bottom of the screen begin to get larger. And they be- and the image begins to to kind of uh, sh- shrink and apparently the reason why this happens is because it was the result of some manual adjustments because the Japanese video transfers were actually used in this early widescreen edition they just reused the widescreen Japanese transfer apparently and you know, I was talking about earlier with the Japanese editions that that they had the the black bars at the very bottom, and they would shove all of the Japanese subtitles into those black bars. Well, periodically, the the subtitles would kind of uh, there were so many subtitles that they would kind of get into the edge of the they'd get into the edge of the image, you know. So. The, the, uh, technicians had to kind of cut that off and it, re- and it, and it basically resulted in this kind of, uh, weird, uh, situation where by the time you get to the end of the film, you know, it's the, 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 the bars are, you know, a little bit bigger. Uh, but I mean, I, again, it's, it's very, very, very slight in some ways. It was corrected in some repressings of the disc uh, apparently because this disc was released the widescreen versions came out in 1989 and then they were reissued in 1992 and repressed and there were actually i think some full screen versions re-released around uh, 1992 in the early 90s but the 1989 uh, widescreen versions they were 
you know, kind of the last, also they were the last unrestored versions of Star Wars on Laserdisc. Because the next, the next epoch, the next, and it's a brief epoch. It's a brief epoch, but many people love this era of Star Wars releases. It's the definitive collection, the THX releases. The Star Wars Trilogy on video. Now, the Star Wars Trilogy on video in THX. Can we get us out of here? Feel the full force in THX. It's a difference you can see and hear. Feel actually going into an asteroid field. They'd be crazy to follow us, wouldn't they? By the legend that rules the galaxy. It is your destiny. The original version of Star Wars on video. Buy it before it's gone forever. So the Star Wars Definitive Collection. The Star Wars Definitive Collection. Oh my God. Another moment of silence (laughs) for the Star Wars Definitive Collection. Probably one of the most popular Laserdisc box sets ever made. It has to be in the, the top, top five, top three. I mean, what's, what's a more well-liked Laserdisc box set with the, the Terminator 2 box sets? I mean, I mean, it's Star Wars, you know? And it's, you know, this, this, this box set came out in the summer of 1993. And to this day, there are still many Laserdisc collectors, many Star Wars collectors, Star Wars enthusiasts who stand by the transfers in this definitive collection, who make this definitive collection their go-to version of Star Wars to watch. What I'd like to do is just read the back of the definitive collection, and I just want to let let the let the back of the definitive collection kind of speak for itself. So let me go ahead and read the the back of the the box set. Nine discs, eighteen sides, full format CAV presentation of each film: Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. Outstanding new letterbox transfers produced to the precise standards of THX Laserdisc program. Audio tracks restored and remastered for each film by Skywalker Sound for extraordinary digital quality. 16-page guidebook to the Star Wars trilogy Laserdiscs, including photos, chapter stops, and notes to the supplements for each film. George Lucas, The Creative Impulse, the complete hardcover book chronicling the first 20 years of Lucasfilm's creative genius. Extensive supplemental materials on each film, including interviews and commentary by creator-director George Lucas, Ben Burt, Academy Award-winning sound designer, Dennis Muren, Academy Award-winning special effects supervisor, Ken Ralston, Academy Award-winning special effects supervisor, Ralph McQuarrie, Academy Award-winning special effects illustrator, Frank Oz, actor-performer of Yoda, previously unseen and rare footage, including an exclusive tour of the prop and model residence for the Star Wars films, the Lucasfilm archives, Industrial Light and Magic, workshop clips of the development of special effects for the trilogy, theatrical trailers for each film, the music video from Return of the Jedi, storyboards 
production art, and hundreds of behind-the-scenes photographs. So this was uh, this was the mother load. <laughs> this is the mother load, to put it lightly. Full format CAV. That that almost sounds like full frame CAV, but basically it's just saying it's CAV and it has it can do all the tricks, still frame, slow motion, all the stuff that you can do with CAV. Brand new THX certified widescreen transfers of all the film. THX certification was becoming a, a big thing in the early nineties with Laserdisc. THX was this, uh, started off as the, the Thomas Homelinson project. It was kind of this, uh, pet project of George Lucas to increase the, the standards in movie theaters, specifically the, the audio standards. So the, the, the sound equipment in, in theaters in the late seventies and early eighties was very chaotic. And, you know, Lucasfilm and, and, uh, Ben Burt and Walter Murch, these people were pushing the vanguard of what you could do with movie soundtracks and they needed movie theaters that had a certain degree of quality and can, could actually play these soundtracks. So THX started off with that by the, by the late eighties and early nineties, they, they turned into like a certification, uh, group where you could, uh, you could have equipment to, that was THX certified and you could have, uh, movies which were THX certified, which went, which basically was like a seal of quality. It was a home theater seal of quality. You know, people love the THX logo. You know, they'd have little THX plaques. They, they still put in their home theater. And I still, we still believe THX is kind of, it's, in many ways, it's lost the, the luster because now you get like, uh, you know, uh, you know, $15, uh, you know, piece of crap speakers and they've got the THX logo on. It's a little bit disappointing, you know, but in the early 90s, my God, THX meant something. And to have the THX remastered, versions of these remixed soundtracks another a digital a new remix now but uh an incredible an incredible release some people criticize this release for the digital video noise reduction there was uh you know in, in the in, in the effort to make star wars look like a, a modern film trying to scrub away the the grain the use of digital uh, digital, uh, abilities to, to do that. It's a little, it was in the early nineties that, 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 that ability was a little bit primitive. The technology, the software for noise reduction, um, could destroy the image to a great degree. And there are many still frames posted online of some of the problems because digital video and noise reduction, if it's not applied correctly, it can, it can it can shave off the grain. It can also shave off the the details of people's faces. It can cause um, things to distort, uh, you know, and uh, smear. And like a person with two eyes can look like they have four eyes, or a stormtrooper with uh, you know with two eyes can look like they're like a a six eyed stormtrooper, you know, or or something like that, you know. So there are a lot of instances of digital video and noise reduction gone bad that uh, are, you know, but I mean, you, when you still frame it and you put it on the internet, it's horrible. But in, in, in practice, I mean, the, the, these transfers are, are incredible, but many people still prefer the kind of film-like, uh, the film-like kind of grain and the color 
the color choices of those 1986-87 Japanese Laserdisc transfers. Even over, they, they choose it even over all the, the overwhelming special features of this 1993 box set. So sold in 1993 as a big, big, big black box set with a, with a, with a big, with a big book, a hardbound book, all in this reliable box set. Now, now, early versions of the box set, there were some, there were some, uh, there was a recall. There was some, there was some seconds of footage missing from, from Empire. And there was a recall program and, and discs were reissued. But overall, you know, the, these were, you know, that, that was a little misstep. But beside that, people still stand by this box set. 1993, the box set is issued. In 1995, the Faces editions, the Faces versions of the Star Wars films are released. The Faces versions are basically kind of um, budget-minded CLV reissues of the transfers that are on the definitive collection. And they are released separately. They're called the Faces versions because each Laserdisc has a, a face of a character. A New Hope has a face of Darth Vader, has a big close-up of Darth Vader. Empire has a big face, big close-up of a Stormtrooper. And Return of the Jedi has a big close-up face of a very modern-looking Yoda. Modern-looking, in my opinion. So, the Faces versions were you know, budget-minded, budget-conscious ways to get the remastered THX versions of the film. And and the, they also released these Faces versions on VHS. And uh, I believe they were also widescreen box sets. This was like the second widescreen VHS box set, the THX. And, oh my God, the Faces versions still, they were cheaper, but they were still... Those great transfers, they had the THX logo on the front. They had these wonderful gatefold covers uh, where you would open up and you'd see the package. You would see pictures inside. Wonderful, wonderful releases. So that was 95. The, 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 the definitive collection faces era of transfers. And some people say that's the high point. And then there was 1997 and the special editions. The Star Wars Trilogy Special Edition is now on video like never before. New scenes. I'm Maki Chizye. New sound. New special effects. Buy the Star Wars Trilogy Special Edition on video. The marketing material for the Star Wars Definitive Collection THX releases made it very clear, made it very clear this is your last chance to buy the original versions of the Star Wars trilogy. Your last chance. This is your last chance, Mr. and Ms. Consumer, to get the original ver- theatrical versions of your cherished films. It said it just flat out. Last chance. Buy it before it's gone forever. Well, it's not exactly true because they would indeed actually re-re-re-release the original theatrical versions on DVD in the 2006 DVD special edition of the trilogy. But in 1997, 
It was out with the old and in with the new, with the emergence of the Star Wars Special Editions. 1997 was the 20th anniversary of Star Wars, and to celebrate that, Lucasfilms created special edition versions of A New Hope, Empire, and Jedi. New versions with remixed soundtracks, with with new special effects, with new scenes, with scenes altered and removed. The stated goal of the special edition versions of Star Wars was to use modern technology, modern CGI visual effects to bring George's original concept of Star Wars to fruition, a concept which he was unable to achieve using the technology of the late 70s and early 80s. And whether you believe that totally, whether you believe that or whether you believe it was just George Lucas testing out visual effects for episode one. Yeah, okay. So, so we say George Lucas testing out. We say that euphemistically, but this is one thing that, that when people talk about the special edition versions, that, that I get a little bit annoyed. They're, they're thinking that George Lucas is actually in the edit bay, is, is on the computer. And that's just not, <laughs> that's not the case, you know. Before a decision, uh, a choice gets, gets to George Lucas, there are already dozens and dozens of decisions that have been made by mid-level managers and different management teams. Lucasfilm was famous for having these, uh, uh, management issues, labyrinthian management teams and, and all kinds of issues like that. You know, so imagine a certain management group. Uh, imagine a group within Lucasfilm, uh, a visual effects group within Lucasfilm, trying to uh, jockey themselves into a position. Say, hey, look at what we can do with this visual effect, with this this type of character design, with this thing. And and George is looking at, at looking at this. And maybe before even before it goes to Lucas, there there are all all kinds of crazy decisions that have already been made. So there's a lot of things to consider, and there's a lot of, <laughs> you know, you can get into the JFK conspiracy theories and, and a lot of different things. But whatever you think, um, I think you can agree that these a lot of these decisions made, the decisions what to cut, what to change, they're very controversial. One of the most controversial changes, of course, uh, Han Solo and Greedo, changing who shoots first in that uh, opening scene, which kind of uh, many, many, uh, many fans kind of uh, criticize that. They feel it kind of weakens the Han Solo character or changes the interactions. New CGI characters, uh, changes throughout all three films. So in 1997, all three of these films were given theatrical re-releases. And they were also re-released in another big honkin' box set. A box set uh, that it's not as pretty as the Definitive Collection box set, but it's still uh, a very, a very nice release. Now, the, the, there was no faces editions. There were no CLV editions. These special edition 
versions of Star Wars are were only found in this big box set. Widescreen, another remaster, and for the first time, it had Dolby Digital AC3, which was relatively new for the time. One of the analog tracks on the Laserdisc were taken up by special Dolby Digital AC3, a discrete 5.1 digital soundtrack on these Laserdiscs. This is the, the only place where you can see the original 1997 theatrical versions of those special editions, by the way, because subsequent DVDs and Blu-rays and, and digital releases, there have been you know, very subtle tweaks throughout the years. Things changed. Uh, the, this is the only way to get those. In my opinion, you know, I mean, of course, they were newly remastered THX versions, again, going back and doing another video transfer that's a, a couple years newer than the definitive collection. And then you have the Dolby Digital AC3. So if you're a, a hi-fi audio fan, you're going to really enjoy that. But the special editions, the, the films themselves were not remastered in, in a way and they looked quite dirty and the digital effects were still a little bit in in flux and and I, I just think that the integration of the digital effects and the the film footage it wasn't quite working in those 1997 special editions not even in the, in the same way that it would work in the 2004 DVDs but uh, again you know if you were a if you were a Star Wars fan and you enjoy Star Wars, again the special edition Laserdisc. If you're wanting Star Wars on Laserdisc, it is something to go to. Many 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 modern fans they kind of shy away from the Star Wars special edition Laserdisc because we already have the special edition cuts or updated version of the special edition cuts. We have them, you know, available on DVD or Blu-ray. So. The, this the Star Wars special edition laserdisc box set is kind of a redheaded stepchild. It's it's it doesn't give enough love uh, from some people, <laughs> including me. <laughs> but it's uh, an interesting edition, an interesting curio, and kind of a a time capsule of George Lucas his special edition version of Star Wars as of 1997, the first revision. The first big revision of Star Wars, just before The Phantom Menace, the debut of his new prequel, the first prequel, Episode One. What if you could share every moment again? Share it all with your family on video. We haven't much time. Star Wars, Episode One, the one to own. So The Phantom Menace. We're, we're, oh my god, it's the end of the Laserdisc story. The end of the, the Laserdisc era, 2001, July 4th, 2001, is the release date of the Phantom Menace on Japanese Laserdisc. The Japanese, the Japanese knew how to make Laserdiscs, and they, they produced some of the, the, the last Laserdiscs. In, in years, the, since they've become prized collectibles. 
And The Phantom Menace, you know, I mean, it's high quality release. Uh, it was released seven, around uh, retail for about seventy dollars uh, U.S. It's available currently right now on eBay for, for between twenty and forty. So it's it's not a really a super exclusive, super expensive release. But I, I've seen it. It has uh, really good, high quality video. It has a Dolby Digital EX soundtrack, which is uh, uh, the the new Dolby Digital uh, a way to get six channels, 6.1 channels of sound. And, I mean, it has the attention to detail that all of the Japanese Laserdiscs have had uh, over the years. And uh, that's where the story ends as far as Laserdisc goes. That's the, the last... Uh, Titles Phantom Menace was one of the last of the titles released on Laserdiscs. It was just, you know, I mean, it was becoming the DVD era, the era of digital, the era of high definition. And Laserdisc kind of went as far as it could. The next big releases for Star Wars were all on DVD. In 2004, the entire Star Wars trilogy were released on DVD in remastered, again, beautifully remastered versions, remastered, tweaked versions of the 1997 special edition with different sound effects. Uh, the rear channels, there was a screw-up in the rear channels. They, they'd reversed the channels. They had gone through another kind of digital noise reduction, a, a far more precise digital noise reduction than the, than the DVNR of the early 90s. This was from Lowry digital imaging. They do restoration. They restored The Godfather. They restored the James Bond films. And they they helped restore Star Wars. And I think that they did a really great job. And I really think that the Lowry digital restoration helped integrate the new visual effects into the film. And, you know, watching A New Hope... It was like watching it with watching a New Hope, the special edition version, with the with the Lowry digital image restored version with the new effects. They they laid in and they integrated. I think much better than they did with the theatrical uh, nineteen ninety seven versions, which were rather rough and it had this very smooth digital effects overlaid onto it. The 2004 DVDs, I, I, I quite like them. Now, in, in, I, I like the everything except the, the, the box art, the cover art. The DVD, the DVD era of Star Wars, I don't think it's been very kind as far as the packaging goes. I think universally, they've had some of the most embarrassing cover art of, uh, any mass produced studio film. I mean, the, the photoshopped ugliness of Luke Skywalker and, and Vader. I mean, some of the, the later Blu-ray Steelbook releases have kind of had some barely passable cover art, but the DVD releases, oh my God, it's just like embarrassing, really, in, in my opinion. Some of those, some of those photoshopped monstrosities are just outright disgusting, you know. 
especially because it's Star Wars, and you know Star Wars is so well known for the incredible, uh, incredible artists who who created the poster art to uh, to do some kind of slapdash. Uh, to do some slapdash Photoshop job on on a Star Wars release is is uh, inexcusable. <laughs> so Lucasfilm was facing a little bit of mounting pressure to release the original versions of Star Wars, and they uh, they relented in two thousand six. They relented. You know, they did another re 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 release of Star Wars. This is the second release of Star Wars on DVD, if you're keeping track. And uh, it had even more embarrassing cover art. The cover art was was uh, ridiculous and embarrassing. Uh, I want to read you part of the, the press release, though, uh, regarding uh, the whole uh, Star this this version of Star Wars. In response to overwhelming demand, Lucasfilm Limited and 20th Century Fox Home Entertainment will release attractively priced individual two-disc releases of Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. Each release includes the 2004 digitally remastered version of the movie and, as bonus material, the theatrical edition of the film. That means you'll be able to enjoy Star Wars as it first appeared in 1977, Empire in 1980, and Jedi in 1983. See the title crawl to Star Wars before it was known as Episode Four. See the pioneering, if dated, motion control model work on the attack of the Death Star. Groove to Lapti Neck, or the Ewok Celebration Song, like you did when you were a kid. And yes, see Han Solo shoot first. This release will only be available for a limited time. From September 12th to December 31st. Over the years, a countless number of fans have told us that they would love to see and own the original version that they remember experiencing in theaters, said Jim Ward, president of LucasArts and senior vice president of Lucasfilm Limited. We return to the Lucasfilm archives to search extensively for source material that could be presented on DVD. This is something that we're excited to be able to give to fans in response to their continuing enthusiasm for Star Wars. And so everyone was elated, excited, until they saw the DVDs. First of all, when you look at the packaging of the DVDs, again, as I said, I can't stress enough how embarrassing the the packaging is, how utterly embarrassing. But when you go into the packaging, you realize, oh my God, they just recycled the old standard definition video transfers from the definitive collection in the early 90s. They slapped them onto DVD and... You know they they look good. I mean they're they're but they're dated. And they have uh, they have all this digital video noise reduction problems. They have color issues. They have all kinds of of issues. Still, these versions, which have been known as gout, uh, that's what the the versions, as far as I know, on this disc, they've been given the the nickname of gout. George's original unaltered trilogy. These gout versions. 
began to form the basis of bootlegs, unauthorized versions of the film. It started in the fan community very slowly. Websites like OriginalTrilogy.com and it uh, people began to to work on things. People began to create what have been known as despecialized editions, either totally or partially taking pieces of this uh, gout and uh, either taking the entire gout version and just upresing it to HD or taking pieces from different sources piece from here, piece from there, and creating these bootlegs which approximate the original theatrical cuts of these films. You know, the, the, uh, the, the, the legitimate releases of Star Wars have kind of rolled on. A few years ago, there was a, a big, uh, big push for the, the remastered uh, HD Blu-ray release. Every legitimate release provides source material for the unauthorized releases. The unauthorized releases kind of reached a fever pitch within the past three or four years when people began to get a hold of 35mm film prints of the theatrical versions of these films. And they, they got them from private collectors. They got them from eBay. They're just people hanging out on eBay all day, you know, buying pieces, you know, film rolls. Some of them are Star Wars. And using cobbled together, in some cases, handmade film scanners to scan in high definition these 35mm film prints, clean them up, and release them. Uh, unauthorized versions of the original theatrical versions as they looked in theaters with a kind of a depth and a clarity that uh, has been unseen in the legitimate releases. Well, at least the legitimate releases of the, the gout, the original theatrical versions. The best version of the original versions is a, is a, a, a DVD, tra- a, a DVD release, the 2006 DVD now over 10 years old of a 1990s era video transfer. So these HD unauthorized versions are kind of a a revelation in some ways, along with the despecialized versions, which are still being being kind of produced alongside of them. Because the despecialized versions kind of are taking basically kind of legitimate material. They're taking authorized releases and just kind of recutting and renovating and sometimes taking pieces of the the 35 millimeter transfer and integrating them in order to create this kind of composite. Whereas the the unauthorized HD film scans are just trying to kind of approximate the way that these these films might look theatrically from the the early early eighties. So there it is, the story of Star Wars on Laserdisc, the story of Star Wars on home video. At least that's the end of the story of Star Wars on standard definition home video. Now of course the story of Star Wars on home video continues 
with the the modern era of the Disney Star Wars films, The Force Awakens, Rogue One, The Last Jedi, and so forth, there will be a Star Wars movie every year, and it will be released on high definition. It'll be released on the future and present high definition formats, Blu-ray, streaming. Now, Disney did something surprising in late 2016. They kind of tipped their hat to Laserdisc nostalgia. They released in Europe a small group of their films, Finding Dory, Guardians of the Galaxy, and The Force Awakens. They actually re-released the Blu-ray disc versions in large 12-inch deluxe Laserdisc-style packaging. And it was, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting, you know, to think somebody out there kind of understands one of the big allures of the Laserdisc format was those big, beautiful gatefold packages where you could throw in, you know, all kinds of, uh, wonderful art, the, the art of the jacket of, of Laserdisc was, was some of the great things. I'm not that, that big of a fan of the Force Awakens with the, just the, the BB-8, uh, on the, on the cover. You can, you can look it up. I, I'm not really a big fan of it, but I do think that that's, that's the really great approach. Cause I don't think you can't bring back Laserdisc, but I think you definitely could bring back some of the, the deluxe packaging and some of the, the stuff that made Laserdisc great. The, the things that were surrounding the format in a new modern digital era. You know, I think that's definitely possible. As far as the original trilogy goes, as far as episodes four, five, and six, the last new release of those on home video was, of course, streaming the Star Wars digital collection, which came to all streaming formats which uh, had some controversial changes. They they stripped off the Fox, the 20th Century Fox fanfare that was part of those films and replaced them uh, with some, some other music because, it, of course, the, the ownership of Lucasfilms has changed hands. They've been bought out by Disney. So, so the issue is that the, the Fox fanfare is kind of in limbo on these releases. I would personally argue that... Uh, films over the years have have changed hands, you know, between films have changed hands between Universal and Paramount and other companies, but they've retained the original company logo. And I, I would argue that Star Wars is part of film history. So stripping away the 20th Century Fox fanfare and the logo from these films is just kind of another defacement. You know, it's a, another another modification over the years, but, you know, these, these films are art. They're also big products. Now they're billion dollar products. So there's, there's, there's that to contend with the, the, the commerce, the product and Star Wars, as much as it is a cultural, uh, legacy and anthem, uh, part of people's childhood. It's also, uh, just another, another product for a multi-billion dollar corporations. So, <laughs> on that happy note, uh, <laughs> I really appreciate you uh, listening to me uh, go on and on about uh, Star Wars and and uh, and its appearances throughout the years on Laserdisc. I hope you come back and have a great day. Go ahead and go go and spin up some Laserdiscs while you're at it. Go, go do it. <laughs> now.